Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their folkloric origins to their current pop culture incarnations. Hello, I'm your host tonight, Leonard, and I'm joined by Matt. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this one. Uh, Our fighter and our bard are off doing their own thing, so it's the Necromancer and Artificer's turn to uh, have some fun on our own. No, that's 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 actually fairly accurate. I'm I'm (laughs) I'm 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 minorly upset being called out that hard. This early into this episode, but yeah, that's fine. That's cool. Well, you you brought this on yourself. Like this was your choice. It's Night of the Creeps. It's all about like crazy undead, and I mean, come on, it fits. Aliens yeah, and, and aliens and and and, and a uh, and a cop thriller. Yep, and an axe murderer, and uh, <laughs> and and legitimately clever fun writing for a 19 aliens creature feature a 1980s yeah. aliens 1980s. creature feature yeah it felt like this 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 director uh, fred decker yeah oh, yeah tonight we're talking about night of the creeps uh directed by fred decker written by fred decker um and uh he was extremely aware of everything going on uh, in in these kind of films at the time, and for like a movie made eighty six, right? Um, eighty six. This, yeah, the production value on this is great. Um, I just when they did like the uh, time period change, it's well. I mean, we can we can get into it, but it starts as one film and then becomes another <laughs> film and then becomes a third. And then film. becomes another film and <laughs> yeah. then reverts back to the secondary film that it started as. Yeah, and they're all <laughs> shot differently and they're all shot yep. competently, and uh, they are the kind of yep. film that they need to be. And it's 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 a ride. It's a lot of fun. Um, I watched this with my partner, and their favorite thing about I mean, I don't want to call this schlocky because this wasn't super sh- like it wasn't low budget schlocky. It was still goofy. No, but the best part about these films is you don't know where they're going, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's this film to a T. I had like I'm like, oh, this is probably going to happen. That was like, oh, it did not pan out the way I thought it was going <laughs> to pan out <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah. It was uh, it was pretty good. Um, so th- yeah, th- again, this is my first time seeing this, but this is an old favorite of yours, right, Leonard? Oh, I've been watching this film uh, <laughs> since I was thirteen when the Sci-Fi Channel knew how to spell the word sci-fi uh, before it became <laughs> the, good old the days. Sifi Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was a frequent watch uh, on on that network and. Um, I'm really glad to revisit this movie after so long and realize that I actually had decent taste as a child mm-hmm. and knew like what a competently made film was because I was very terrified that I was going to come back to this. It's like, oh no, this is like terrible schlock and it's garbage. But no, this is a 
very smart, competently made film that nobody remembers. <laughs> yeah, it was lovingly made, and I'm really surprised that its cult status isn't a little higher. Um, yes. And I think we can... There's a couple things I can point to as to why, but we'll, we'll get we'll get there when we get there. But uh, mm-hmm. other than that, other than like one or two nitpicks, I think this this is fun. I'd watch this film again. Um, it was fun. It was silly. <laughs> Def- definitely a thing to watch like in a big group too. Um, just because, yes. yeah. There's a bunch of like cr- like <laughs> when that first dude's head just blows open. It's like it's great. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's right. That's how that's going to work. <laughs> a lot of dudes' heads get blown open in this film, and also a zombie gets a shotgun, like, buckshot to the face in yeah. a glorious explosion as well. Also, there are aliens, just to reiterate yeah. that this movie aliens, zombies. knows what it's doing. <laughs> Snobs versus slobs, and- but. <laughs> yeah, it has everything that the '80s had, all kind of distilled and mixed together into this film. It's it's yes, it's really, but good. also yeah. kind of knew how like um, vaguely shitty the people of the '80s were at the time as well. We'll get to that. It's called mm-hmm. the Chad Bus. I call it the Chad Bus. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I don't think we survived that bus crash, Coach. <laughs> That's A, what I also thought of, and B, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm really glad that they didn't try to humanize any of these characters and that that, that they're literally just fodder for the uh, brain parasite zombie slugs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I thought the end there was going to be like a dance scene with all of the, uh, everyone was a zombie or something. Like, I'm like, oh, that's got to be coming. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. I cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I would love to have the opportunity to pick uh, James Gunn's brain and just find out how much of this movie influenced Leather. You know what? We were talking about the same thing when we were watching it. It, It's got, (laughs) Slither has, has, has this film in mind when, yeah, when it was made. Because just like... All of those little leeches just flying around everywhere, making that very specific noise. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there was even like one scene, like in a, a bunch of people taking showers, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, they're gonna do the slither thing." No, that never happened. But <laughs> yeah, they're gonna retroactively do the slither thing you said <laughs> about this movie from the eighties. Hey, I don't know what could happen here. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> It was all right, but yeah. Uh, let's hop into this uh, with um, one of the greatest openings film has ever seen, uh, with these little alien butt cheeks running around <laughs> in this spaceship. Oh man, the 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 the, the fetus uh, Yoko Taro aliens running around. Yeah, doing oh, they are little scene. Yoko Taro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were like buff ETs. <laughs> yes, they were the same yes. height, but they had like musculature and like. You know, uh, running around, uh, yelling about stuff. Did we get the date at this time? I think we did. Uh, or maybe that's in a minute. Uh, I think we only get the date when uh, we pan down, when we uh, go from the alien sequence right. to Earth. <laughs> yeah. 
So this is filmed like 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 an eighties alien film. There's like steam everywhere. Everything is like gray vents and grates. There's lasers. Uh, they're trying to stop. Like one faction of aliens is trying to stop another faction of these little aliens from doing something. We can't really tell what it is until we see uh, one of these aliens who has kind of blanked out white eyes uh, shoot a canister yes. into space, um, and then it just cuts away from them. And the uh, camera goes down to Earth, and uh, it's uh, 1959. Um, yep. And it's it becomes... black and white because yeah. color wasn't invented until 1960. <laughs> it wasn't invented. Well, uh, specifically, it's very white. I don't think I saw a black person <laughs> on screen uh, for a while in this film until we get to the future. But... Um, uh, Just it, yeah, like reality. And yeah, films. it looks... It looks like Pleasantville. That that isn't that the one that was all black and white. Um, yes. So yeah. So the the frame rate is high, but it's still black and white. So it has that weird sort of in between feel. Uh, but it's this great tracking shot. Um, I'm not even sure if there's a cut here. Uh, just like over this campus, and uh, there's a, yeah, there's a couple cuts because there's a girl on the phone talking to her friend Muffy about how some guy is a cop and he's no good and you shouldn't date the cop. <laughs> and, and yep. uh yep. Uh and a guy comes to pick up a girl for a date. Um and they keep turning off radio reports of a criminally insane man on the loose. <laughs> I love Cuz you know, Oh my god. So so there's also an aspect of this film which is like, oh, this is also a very adult uh episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> which, which was just like, I, I, it was, I, I didn't know what to think. Cause like within the first 10 minutes of this film, I'm confronted with these things that look like Crane and Brainiac had a baby. And then it's immediately <laughs> to let's go to make out point. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> what did Leonard do? What did he say? What yeah, did he bring in? <laughs> it, what did he breathe into reality? None of this makes sense. It's all garbage. I don't like mm-hmm. it. It's weird. Nothing ties together. I'm yeah. upset. But uh, we we get some backstory here, just like a little bit. Uh, this girl is like on a date with a guy. I think I, I can't even remember the beginning people's names here. Um, they almost actually don't kind of matter. Um, they don't, honestly. Uh, they, uh, they don't. Except for the one character, a cop comes up to the car and says, hey, don't make out here, somebody's on the loose. And then it turns out the cop dated the girl in the car. Uh, um, thought he was dating the girl in the car. Thought he was dating, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't, didn't get that message. She, she tells the cop to go home as mm-hmm. if he has the option to do so as a cop. <laughs> um, and he's like, you guys need to go home. There's a maniac on the loose. Um, and that's when uh, a comet falls. Uh, the uh, jock driving the car is like, let's go find that. That's the brightest star in the sky. Um, they drive off to the woods. Gonna make my wish. Yeah, dwarf. And um, <laughs> uh, they drive off to the woods to find it. Uh, Jock hops out of the car. Um, there's really loud music playing, even though the girl's like freaked out. Um, and uh, then it's just a kind of a slow build scene of this Jock finding uh, the canister that was launched out of the spaceship. Uh, intercut with the woman in the car being snuck up on uh, by a dude 
in a uh, hospital robe holding a fire axe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, it ends when the tube breaks uh, and a worm shoots into uh, the uh, the new boyfriend's mouth and then hard cut. To, um, and then it's 1986. 1986. And I'm, like, this is, I'm like, ah, yes, this movie was made for me. I know, I only know these two time periods as a child watching network <laughs> television in California. <laughs> it's only the Andy Griffith show and Cole Jack the Night Stalker for me. It's almost, it's almost as if boomers were in charge of media for too long. And uh, <laughs> there were only a couple periods of time that were important to them. <laughs> And and then ended up making weird, creepy assholes like me that like movies like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, every 80s trope is on display here. Uh, like, all of them. Um, the types of nerds and jocks and, like, this weird class separation thing that 80s films love, love to, like, showcase. Um, yes. It's happening here. This is Pledge Week at a frat. Or at several frats. Um, yes. Uh, uh, so there's like big filmed at happening. UCLA. Yep. <laughs> I, I I know as a California native, I know that I I've seen all of these buildings multiple times on my way to gay bars in <laughs> like West Hollywood. So, but uh, yeah, so the street is just like there's like toilet paper everywhere because sure. And, like, you know, the place is just trash. There's parties everywhere, people drinking outside. Um, and uh, this is where we meet uh, our two leads, uh, kind of, for the beginning half of the film. Um, it's Yes. The, the, the storytelling structure here is Chris a little strange. Chris Romero. But, yes, Chris Romero and, uh, <laughs> and his friend J.C. Hooper, which, like... <laughs> Man, like, JC is... Chris doesn't say... Okay, so I have been referring to them as what the uh, detective later in this refers to them as Spanky and Alfalfa, because I loathe these characters. Yes. Um, the, one of them is really? a gormless worm, and one of them is a gormless worm that doesn't shut up. <laughs> I just... Oh, I, that's real. Oh, man, that's, that's really funny. They're, um, I think that they're I, the I, reason why, like, this this wasn't as uh, cult status as as it could be because I just really yeah I just I don't know man like yeah, speak your piece go ahead but I, out of everybody I okay. love everyone else so, in this film these two guys not doing it for me I like Chris uh, because he like hey guess what I'm not um, angry at like the um, heroic archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hero with the thousand faces. Um, and he's like not a face that you would consider heroic, even though he does eventually become vaguely he heroic. Yeah. Um, and then I love JC because he's his gay best friend who's absolutely <laughs> in love with him. And Chris is stupid and doesn't realize it. Um, you know what? That's a very that- fair read. That's a very fair read. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that's why by the, I actually like these characters. The Hawaiian shirts, man. Like I should have known. Dude, but it's the the ta- the tape to him at the end, which we'll get to. I'm like, yes. oh right. 
it's the eighties and there was mm-hmm. always there was like almost always a gay best friend who sacrificed himself to make sure that heterosexuality continued. <laughs> we gotta propagate the species here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my love for my love for you will bring forth new life into this world. Yeah. So um and he uh it's I, I just feel like he could have been written in a way that the jokes weren't cloying. Uh I think I think is the big issue. Maybe it was a writing issue or whatever. But I No, I'm gonna hey, guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna uh let you in on a little secret. That's how um uh gay friend comedy writing just was in the eighties. Just yeah. gonna say right. it. You're not Surprise. wrong. Absolutely yeah, not wrong. Yep. <laughs> yeah. How how dare we see them as cool? How dare we? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, you can't. He he has to walk with crutches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like, when yeah. I learned it was going to be like a zombie nightmare kind of situation, I was like, oh, that's going to be a really interesting twist. Uh, that, like, either we're going to see him animate and be dead and not need them, or uh-huh. we're going to see, or we're going to see like a chase scene where he's like stay you know keep going i'll stay back or something like that and i was like okay mm-hmm. that's that's kind of a cool twist and you actually don't see people with disabilities in horror movies that often especially this era so it was it was pretty interesting but we got the the middle ground between the two which is a bioshock uh you know <laughs> audio log about yeah uh, yeah, an audio log about how he did, in fact, run from the things he ran for himself. Mm-hmm. I love you. Yeah, <laughs> that I I feel like I don't know because at that at that point, I mean, we can we can talk about it when we get there. But I feel like for some reason they only had him for like two days and they wrote him out because he dies off screen. He leaves a monologue yes. and like yes, it should be shown and not told. A- and he also takes some of the things out. Hey, guess what? In in, in if this movie gets was remade at the uh, like right now, he mm-hmm. survives and then shows up at the end and creates exactly. bisexual a love bisexual love triangle for Chris <laughs> and and Cronenberg at the end. And that's I mean, how you end this film. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. At the very least, I would want to see like at least like him in the furnace or something. They just they didn't show any of that. Yes, it was just all off screen, which I thought like for a character that you spend so much time building to not see the end of it, I, I thought that was a little bit of a letdown. But that's that's all in the future here because right now, uh, uh, our boy Chris Romero, uh, Spanky himself. Uh, he's immediately in love uh, with a girl he sees across the street. <laughs> a girl who we find out is named Cynthia Cronenberg, <laughs> which which fantastic. He loves yeah, oh, fantastic! So just instantly falls in plot love with her, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just like I'm gonna marry that girl and like settle down and whatever. <laughs> and and JC's right. He's like, you actually have to talk to her. Um, for any of this to happen and then just immediately is like hey toots what's your name like you know ugh. um and oh yeah yeah he, he's yeah. doing he's doing the very 80s wingman thing mm-hmm. like like it's very it's very top gun <laughs> it's oh yeah absolutely 
And uh, through they they go into the party where she's at. It's at the Beta House. Um, uh, we think that she's dating some jock named Steve, which JC pulls a fast one on to get him to go answer a phone or something like that. And uh, he's li- he literally just tells him, "Hey, there's a phone call for you," and he's like, "Thanks, yeah. man," and then walks off. Yeah, like that's a normal thing to get in the middle of a party that has literally hundreds of people at. It's just a phone call, whatever. Yeah, uh, it's very it it's it's just of its time. Um, and then they want to pledge this house because they think, oh, she only has eyes for guys who are in this house because uh, she's a sorority sister and they're fraternity brothers. Um, and then we get the scene with the fraternity brothers. Who are all? One of them is the the main guy, Brad. Um, mm-hmm. He is from uh, what is it, Mama's Family? That sitcom. He's a character from oh. from that sitcom. Oh, uh, oh, he's Bubba. Is he Bubba? Yeah, he's Bubba. Oh, yeah. My, oh my man, I just added right myself. At, I've just added myself as somebody who knows the names of the characters <laughs> from Mama's fa- Family. So, right, you, hey, guess you what? Get, you in, get in one you kiss, my think... grits, and then you're done. <laughs> in, you can use it at any time. I think I was a lich uh, from the 18th <laughs> century. There you go. I, in fact, am. Um, and at this point, I am beginning to question whether or not these guys are snobs or slobs because their house is trashed. It looks like shit. Uh-huh. But these all these guys mm-hmm. all look like they're in the yacht club and have like blonde quaffs. and and they just like you this know was, this was they have that uh what do you call it uh that like mid Atlantic accent or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, quite, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. They like oh, oh, most Bostonian. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is... yeah, that's when I like because I haven't watched this movie in over a decade, um, and I distinctly remember it being kind of like smart and scathing in like its production and the way that people were dressed and and shot, and this like douchebag Kendall um um fraternity scene mm-hmm. where they all just kinda look like like Stepford husbands. They I really was like, do. Okay, yeah. I'm back I'm like I'm super into this movie because this movie knows exactly what it's doing actually. Yeah. Cause I was at first I'm like, oh man, these tropes they're just kind of piling up. Then I'm like, oh wait a minute. They're purposefully like they're just shoveling shit onto the pile. They're like, how much of this like pastiche that it's it's fresh. It's you know, it's yes. it's 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 eighty six. Yes. But you can tell this director is just like, <laughs> I have seen way too much of all of this and I'm going to just tear it to pieces <laughs> by adding as much of it as I can to this. And it works. Yeah. It's great. The jock is 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 <laughs> very funny so and very stupid. Uh the snob is like so like like dialed to eleven. Like at one point he kicks the, the disabled guy's crutches out of his hands. Like it's just yes. everything about it is just dialed to eleven and, and that's great. Um but they, yeah, they're uh, all they, uh, weird cartoon characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they're all cartoon characters of of their tropes, um, but they uh, give these guys a uh, a pledge week, uh, 
challenge. They say that they'll they'll be considered to be uh, inducted if they steal and dump a corpse onto the pog house. Uh, so they have to go to a medical lab on campus, take a cadaver, and leave it on a medical house, which I have looked it up. This is a thing that has been done. Um, mm-hmm. That is, yeah. Sure has. Uh, nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. Nightmare, nightmare, mm-hmm. nightmare. To, mm-hmm. like, treat human remains in that way, it just requires you to be so, I don't know... <laughs> Either you need to be included I mean, so badly. I mean, badly Cynthia Cronenberg was really cute. <laughs> See, now I, I'm thinking about <laughs> whether or not I would do that to get a girl's phone number. And I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been I don't know. What, that in What need. if that girl's name was Cynthia Cronenberg, Cynthia Cronenberg and there was a chance true. that you, you, could, you could, in fact, be dating a secret Cronenberg daughter? <laughs> <laughs> oh man i could be the next director of the next infinity pool this would be amazing <laughs> wait is it called infinity pool is that the name of that film what's it, it called? is it, it is? is yeah all right infinity all right. pool infinity pool <laughs> oh my god all right yeah that's true so these guys are just like sure and i'm like wow they went along with that way too easily um and uh, it, it, it was acceptable in the eighties. It was acceptable. It was acceptable at the in time. the eighties to, to to desecrate human remains uh, to get tailed. It's just it it is a thing that has happened in this country. I mean, you would be you would be shocked by how how often that happened in reality and also in films. So, mm-hmm. oh, I, listen, uh, I, I have you read the book Stiff? Uh, about what happens to your corpse after you die and the, and the possibilities with it. Because, um, yikes, uh, s- some things can happen to that thing. Um, <laughs> anyway, not to get too dark during this, this fun uh, zombie film. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, they I decide... stuffing myself with C4, so... Yeah, there you go. I'm going to stuff myself with birdseed. <laughs> I think sky burial is the way to do it. Just let the birds kind of take parts of me and fly off. You, you can't do the the I'm gonna stuff myself with bird seed because then I'm just thinking of the feed the bird songs from Mary Poppins, <laughs> and that's just the dark. Yeah, that's, that's the me. edgy dark version of Mary Poppins. I want those two kids to she... just throw my my stuffed corpse onto like the square in London and watch the pigeons just have at it. Uh, While Dick Van Dyke a, is doing his terrible cheap. accent near me. <laughs> That's a that's a little uh, uh, a bit of a too scathing commendation for the state of the uh, of, of, of the of NHS London and England <laughs> in the 21st century. Thank you very much, sir. Corpse full of full of bird seeds in the square. Yeah, but those kids are Paddington so entertaining. Is eating his marmalade sandwich. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, back on track here. Uh, we find out that Cynthia's boyfriend was not Steve the Jock, but in fact, it was uh, the Bradster himself. Um, and uh, when uh, pushed to see whether or not he would actually induct those guys into uh, the beta house from by his brothers uh, for doing this, he's like, no, um, he just wants them to get in trouble or to do something stupid. 
Um, and that's when we uh, cut to um, the cryogenics lab, apparently, uh, at this yep. college. The umbrella and, lab uh, under UCLA. The umbrella lab. <laughs> Everybody knows it's there. Open secret. Um, where the uh, doctor who is trying to get into the cryogenics lab uh, can remember all but the last number of his password. What what a plot device uh, to get into this. And there's, there's no timer. You just push the buttons and then he like goes and makes a phone call to try to get the last number. And yep. uh, like, just wow. Like it's, I was like, it's so it, it's really dumb. It, it's that's really why dumb. I called it an umbrella lab. That's why I called it an umbrella lab because you'd expect this to be like a note plot point in a Resident Evil game. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they gotta go, like, move hands on a clock to find the last number to know how to get in there or something. But, no, um, uh, our boys just walk right into this cryogenics lab and push zero on the keypad, uh, and it opens right up. And when confronted with a state-of-the-art cryogenics lab and a man who has been frozen since 1959, um, what do they do? They immediately start fucking around. Um, <laughs> like they like stand there for a little bit too long in awe of what's going on, and then JC just starts pushing buttons, man. Um, just you know, in horror movies, like you, you yell at the screen when people are making bad choices and stuff. But <laughs> this is like a baffling choice. <laughs> Why they were just like, yeah, no, I guess we'll take this one. Sure, um, it's a cryogenics lab, which means he could technically still be alive. But nope, I'm gonna take this one. Um, they push the buttons, uh, open up the tube, uh, that our frozen boyfriend is inside of, um, uh, and they start carrying him out, which, again, um, just totally willing to handle a corpse, just like, no problem, no screaming, no issues, just like, yeah, just you get his legs, I'll, I'll, I'll get his arms, and, uh, I mean, but that- I mean, he's intact, He's wearing tidy whities It's fun. He's he does just a little have, cold and clammy. He does have little undies yes. on, which is like <laughs> he does. Well, because when they first showed like the tube, there was like frost over there, and I was like, if this is like an eighties movie, are they going to show anything? Because I know there's, you know, it's it's you know, it's a it's one of those like movies where you know you're going to see like two seconds of boobs or whatever, and I'm like. Are they going to show Hog in this one? Uh-huh. No, he has he has little future underwear on. We were all, <laughs> we've all been deprived. No, he's literally just got tidy whities on. Yeah, <laughs> it isn't even Doc Manhattan future underwear. It's just tidy whities. <laughs> all right, somebody paused to inspect. Um, and <laughs> I, I just remember, I just remember from being a, a an impressionable teenager. Yeah, thank you very formative much. Formative memories, right? Um, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, oh, they're so much fun. I love them. He said sarcastically. <laughs> uh, he uh, he moves right. That's what scares them. Like he opens his eyes or something. Um, yep. And uh, it scares the boys. They go running away. Uh, and this uh, this frozen boyfriend gets up and starts walking. And um, goes after the uh, the doctor that could not remember the number in the hallway. Right, that's what happened. Lab next. tech, lab tech man. Oh, uh-huh. um, 
And uh, then we get the phone call to Detective Ray Cameron, which uh, he answers mm-hmm. the phone every time by saying, thrill me, uh, which I don't know if that was this is this is Tom Atkins. Um, this, this yes, guy, it is. It, he is just he this just is, chooses this scenery. Is... <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. Go for it. <laughs> this is. This is motherfucking Halloween three, Tom Atkins. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, have you seen Halloween three, season of the witch? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah. That yeah. Good old Tom Atkins. <laughs> he's 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 but he's been he in a knows lot of what stuff. he's doing. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if these character uh, quirks were his decision or in the writing. But it just makes this character. Uh, this is like a super so grizzled detective who is idiosyncratic to a T. He like is always like you know, like just pulling an entire cigarette all at once, or he answers the phone extremely mm-hmm. aggressively. He shows up and makes everyone feel like a dipshit. Uh, it's just everything he does is just again like cranked to eleven. Just so good though. It's just. It's yeah. it, it's like he was a side character in Seven and then somehow got uh, isekai'd into this movie. <laughs> it's true. The tenacity in which he approaches stuff is just like, it does not match anything else that's happening on screen. And it's it's very, nope. very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he shows up to the cryogenics lab uh, and is upset that there's only one body when he was told there were two. And... Uh, just kind of points out the incompetence to everyone there. Uh, we get our um, uh, our classic coroner eating a sandwich routine, which uh, which is like a sure trope do. that I see all the time. The coroner just like so easy with bodies that he, I think every scene that coroner's in, he's eating a sandwich. Um, and mm-hmm. except for the one where he gets it, where I think the sandwich is just on the table. But uh, there, there is a sandwich. We'll see if he had is a scene the partner sandwich, with this he guy. Survive because <laughs> oh, you're right. Because, he would, because his mouth would have been full. <laughs> sandwich ex machina. <laughs> yep. The sandwich is gone. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. So yeah. Uh. He's mad that there's only one body here. Uh, there is a, um, what is it, like a night janitor that saw these kids that they got to get an interview from. Um, it's 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 a whole kerfuffle, but it begins the kind of the cop arc of this. Um, yes. The fact that the... Which dominates that, the middle third of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it gets extremely dark. Um, but the fact that uh, Ray didn't recognize uh, Frozen Jock um, even though they're like from the same school or college, or I'm not really sure. Um, I thought that was going to be a plot point, but that never, that didn't go through. So I guess he's well, another dude, right? To be fair, when Ray sees him, his head has like a uh, blooming onion opened up. Oh, that's so. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very fair, and that's about to happen. Um, <laughs> This uh, this this man in his underwear has walked across campus uh, to the sorority house, um, has picked a flower, and uh, climbed up uh, the fire escape uh, to try to get inside to uh, see his girlfriend, uh, the exact same room 
that we saw in black and white early early on. And uh, it's Cynthia that sees this uh, this undead man there and starts to scream. And yeah, his head blooms open like like a blooming onion and leeches go everywhere. Like like you were at an Outback Steakhouse. Yep. Right. Yes. Just just like an Outback Steakhouse. No rules, just leeches. Yeah. Just. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Um, Which, hey. That you uh, a fun bit of world building with this. Hey, uh, that means that like there's still a little bit of the person in there, even though there's weird leech things making yeah. them do stuff. So that that'll actually figure in later in the film. It does, yeah, yeah. The the people, yeah, because I think everyone is driven to like be doing what they were doing previously, um, including the very long dead man. Uh, which that's, yeah, that, that's a fun scene later on. Um, but, uh, you mean our the corpse that looks kind of like John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, Cameron, uh, Ray Cameron gets, uh, called to this, uh, this scene, um, sees a body with an exploded face. Um, and he thinks that it's an ax wound, um, which, uh, he, this is now when he has the flashback, right? To coming upon the car yes. and finding the uh, the escaped mental health patient, um, killing his uh, his now ex girlfriend uh, with an axe. His uh, way his back now ex not girlfriend. Yes, <laughs> his uh, his relationship status has been changed to is complicated uh, when it comes to this woman, uh, mostly because of the axe wounds. But um, yeah, <laughs> so he has like a flashback to that. Um, the next day, uh, Chris and JC. Uh, this is in the sixties now or the eighties, man. Uh, <laughs> This is in the 80s. Chris and JC get confronted uh, by the frat bros, um, and they say that it was not cool that they dumped a corpse on the sorority house. They were supposed to dump it somewhere else. Um, And they were like, we chickened out. We didn't do it. Uh, Brad does that horrible thing where he kicks the crutch uh, out from under JC. And this is where Cynthia decides that she's had enough. Does the the jack-in-the-box middle finger to him. And everyone claps. (laughs) Which... Which got a really good yes. laugh out of me, just like, and then everyone clapped, <laughs> and and there were no. You were like, they actually did the all. thing in this in this film before the internet existed. I know, they right? Actually, did the thing. But Brad is like such an abusive piece of shit that I thought there was going to be like a huge repercussion for that, and there just kind of wasn't. Um, so no. I'm thankful for that because th- that did not need to be in this film. Uh, just the everyone clapping and then her leaving for good like that. That was good. I like that. Good end. Um, uh, they uh, the boys get picked up by the cops, um, and uh, asked about what they were doing um, uh, in the in the lab that night because the cops think they're connected to the corpse. Uh, the night janitor says they were screaming like banshees and says it like. 10 times um 
this nice <laughs> old actor here, uh, he just really, really enjoys that line and laughs every time he says it. And, you know, it's kind of nice. Um, but, um, uh, um, so they get, they, they get off. They, they, you know, the cops don't hold them. Uh, and we get introduced to the janitor that just says screaming like banshees and laughing to himself over again, over and over again. Um, Let's see, where are we here in our timeline? This is when things start to get, like, mixed up, because there is the story oh, with right. the two, two boys trying to get one girl for one boy, and then it's intercut <laughs> with Ray, like, trying to track down the sins of his past, and intercut with that, or what yes. the slugs are doing, and then intercut with that is, uh, like, what the zombies are doing. Um, which <laughs> there's just so which much. Which isn't much. They're mostly possessing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the 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 slugs are possessing um animals. Um, mm-hmm. Cynthia, one of Cynthia's uh um, not frat. What's the sorority? Other? Yeah. Sorority. Uh, yeah, is like, hey, can I store all these brains in the basement? And she's <laughs> yes. like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> It's like, oh, what's up, Chekhov's brains? Yeah, put them in the basement. It'll be fine. <laughs> what a weird um, thing to be able got... to take off campus. What is up with human remains in this place? Um, the the milk toast boys are getting in that uh, 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 investigated, and um, Ray is having hyper PTSD about mm-hmm. that hard mor- murder that he obviously committed back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, even his partner is just like, that was 27 years ago. Blah, blah, blah. He's dead. Because I think his partner knows that Ray killed him. <laughs> I don't think his partner does. I think his partner thinks that the, the axe murderer just went off and stopped being an axe murderer. <laughs> sure, alright. <laughs> Either way... Everyone is like looking at this sweaty, shaking cop, and they're like, "He's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's fine." Yeah. Yep, <laughs> that's just how he is. Well, he's a detective. He's not a beat cop. Yeah. He's a detective. That's true. <laughs> and he answers the phone the by screaming at you. Yeah, <laughs> and saying, "Thrill me." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god! Just like a trail of cigarette butts behind this guy wherever he goes. Just like. <laughs> It's so good. He's he, he's very very good. Any scene he's in is a treasure. Um. So yeah, uh, the slugs are infecting animals. Um. Uh, which we see a uh, a cat and a dog get got. Yeah, one of uh, Cynthia's sorority sisters, I think, lets a cat in at one point, and then yes. and uh, and is like, oh, you know, you know, and happy at a later the point, cat. she lets the infected cat in. <laughs> yep. And then that's when she gets infected. Um, and you see a bunch of people getting got. Like, uh, the janitor gets got. The coroner gets got. Um, the lab assistant walks out of the morgue after taking out the coroner. And is just, like, covered in blood. Has hemostats attached to his neck. And, like, this <laughs> cop, like, walks by reading the chart. And he's like, have a good day. Yep. And just, like, isn't paying attention. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. That was pretty good. <laughs> 
Um, we find out that the uh, sorority mother's house was built on top of the uh, site where um, uh, Ray Cameron buried the uh, the corpse of the uh, axe murderer that he tracked down and killed. Um, uh, we don't know that yet, but there's a flashback to him wrapping someone in plastic, and we're like, huh. Yep. Huh. <laughs> Wonder what that is. Yep. I, I um, really do love the commitment to all of the uh, flashback scenes during that time actually being in black and white. Yeah. No, it goes to a completely different film style. It's like it's like the mm-hmm. speed is different, the, the color grading is different, everything's different, and it's it, it like I said, it's it's four movies shot very differently and edited together very well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the, I know it's said a lot, but they don't make movies like this anymore. This is this they, is very strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's good. Um, this is when uh, we get uh, Cynthia and JC and Chris all going on a walk together. Um, because yes. JC can't take a goddamn hint and let them go alone to begin with. I th- no, um, no, I honestly think that Chris asked JC to come with him to oh, yeah. be his wingman because Chris is such like a feckless, like, you know, yeah. sad sack fish he is that such he's a like, I fish, need yeah. my buddy. Yeah, and that's what I think. Like that's I I laughed at that because I was just like, oh yeah, I bet Chris absolutely asked JC to be the life of the party on this date with him and Cynthia. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like every time Cynthia looks at him, he like turns around and like can't look and whatever. But then halfway on this walk, Cynthia, who is like going through shit, like she just saw a dude's head explode. Uh, and was left in the front of her house. She is like legitimately concerned that she has seen a zombie, and like she goes to one person she can trust, kind of that she just met for help, buries her face in his chest, and he just looks at his friend. And he goes, "Yes, I'm gonna get laid." Yes, and I was like, "Dude, that was yes. that was not the time." <laughs> bad reaction. Bad, bad. bad JC yeah, shouldn't bad. like you as much as he does. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Anyway, um, so after all that, uh, we find out that Ray Cameron has been following them on their date after he drops her back off at the house, which um, which I'm kind of curious to go back and rewatch to see if you can see him in the background anywhere. Because uh, oh, that, that would be a gorgeous detail if they did that. Um, but he's just like, hey, uh, she just like admitted to a bunch of stuff and I got like more questions for you. Um and uh, uh, but rather turns than out, ask you questions, I'm gonna confess to a murder. Yeah, yeah. Turns out Dad's been drinking a little bit, kids, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear some some horrible shit that happened. Uh, and yeah, and he basically uh, like it's just flat out. I love that he like takes out two glasses, pours one glass of whiskey, and keeps it for himself and doesn't offer any to the kid. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yep, <laughs> like legit. Oh, it's and so the way funny. That, the way that the sequence is shot, it's like really high tension, like uh, very close, uh, like hard close ups on Ray and like mm-hmm. fairly close medium shots on Chris at like a very slight Dutch angle. And it's just mm-hmm. like Ray confessing 
this this murder and it keeps like zooming in on chris's face every time it cuts <laughs> back to him while ray's talking about this and Chris's i actually more wrote more down i like ray finishes his story and i love chris's reaction to this which is look detective i don't mean to be rude or anything but other than kind of wanting to confess to a murder is there any point to this story? <laughs> it's true. We don't know what the hell he's going on about <laughs> at all. Um, it's, it's such a good line after like how the like it's 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 kind of a Marvel line, like a pre Marvel mm-hmm. Marvel line to cut yeah. attention, but it's it's perfect in this film. <laughs> it works really well. It really does. Um and so, like Chris is just like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here because <laughs> this is this is freaking crazy. Um, uh, at this point, the the like the the leeches have been waking things up. Have been like, you know, uh, they're in a bunch of cats and whatever else. Um, uh, this is when. Uh, don't they get the call that the the sorority mother has been killed? Right. Yes. This is when. Yeah, we get the the scene. Oh yeah, because it cuts to her house and she's watching freaking Plan Nine from outer space, which I was like, sure is. All right. All right. All right. So that's why I'm like, this is entirely tongue in cheek. Uh, there's no way it's not. <laughs> um, they're like, oh yeah. I'm going to put a bad movie in my bad movie. This is going to be good. Um, my my and, well-executed bad movie, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, um, oh, yeah. And this is also right before that scene is where uh, JC gets got. Because JC goes to, to find a bathroom. Yes. Um, and actually yes. goes to find a bathroom. And we get his, like, struggle and death scene uh, in a bathroom stall where he learns he can light them on fire to kill them uh yes and it's a very claustrophobic shot piece um Mm -hmm. which is mostly just like uh like shoulders up um and like inside a stall and then crawling on the ground uh then surrounded by these things and then that's it that is the last we see of this character uh it is over for him yeah a lot yes Actually, at all. I don't think we see him at all after this, right? No, no, because Chris finds him uh, after he listens to the tape that right. I still don't remember how he got. Um, it was on, like, it was just in the room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the tape tells him all he needs to know about the alien leeches, but I don't mm-hmm. know how he got it. And I'm like, oh, I bet this was actually a thing that was cut out. Um, yeah. It seems yeah. like there was something cut or so- something's missing here because then like Cynthia also mentions like having buried the cat and like they all knew it was dead. And then it came back with a, a you know, it came back as a zombie later. And right. Uh, that was also, yeah, cut out around this time. And so there, there was there's something missing from this film. We don't know exactly what it is, but um, yeah. So after that happens, uh, it cuts the sorority mother's house where something is just banging on the floor there's a, just an old lady sitting in a, uh, a one-room kind of house um watching plan nine uh dozing off on the couch uh she's got a little dog um that's sleeping near her as well and uh just like not really caring that there's this horrible slamming sound constantly happening until it was way too late 
uh, and an axe comes up through the floor, which is covered in blood. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just like, like the tar man comes out of the ground. Uh, it's just like a completely <laughs> rotted corpse holding an axe uh, comes up and uh, and just like puts it right in this old lady's head. Um, and then and then it turns into a police procedural with yeah. five squad cars mm-hmm. for fifteen yeah. minutes. Yeah, this is like the where the hell is my backup? And then there's like you know all these cars on the street, and you know there's like a, a bit of a car chase. Uh, Ray Cameron still drives the patrol car he was driving back in the fifties, which I think is a great touch. Yep, because um, there's all these yep. new modern cars around him, and he's still driving that like old clunky thing. Uh, that's been kept, you know, in pristine condition, um, which I thought that was that, that was a real good insight to his character there, just stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we get the tape um, that says, you know, here's how you kill these things uh, from from JC to Chris at this point, um, you know, use fire. Uh, I'm putting myself in the furnace that they, 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 you're still alive, but they're using their, your brain to plant eggs or something. I don't know how he knows all this, but he does. Um, and uh, then we're back with uh, Cameron, um, who is confronting the murderer of his past, who isn't really much of a threat, I guess. He kills that old lady. Uh, they find him. Yes. Uh, he's standing there with an axe. And uh, does he? We does get he a recognize great Ray? reveal. Yeah, hmm? great reveal of this guy's face. Um, yeah, when he, he he's facing away from all of the cl- cops in a corner, Blair witchy as fuck, and then he turns around and it's just uh, desiccated John Carpenter, and he smiles mm-hmm. at Ray. <laughs> yeah, uh, all the cops start shooting. Um, the bullet holes are like backlit for some reason when they're blasting through the zombie. I thought that was a really fun touch. Uh, and touch. then, yeah, and then Ray's like, "Fuck it!" It just like has this uh, uh, pump action shotgun and just like puts one right into the into the zombie's head, blows it up, and leeches go everywhere. Um, yes, and um, that's the end the- of that arc, I guess. It is, and my favorite thing about that uh, pump-action shotgun is when he lets Chris go, he tells Chris to get him his shotgun, which is just under his bed with a bunch of buckshot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, it's just down there. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Oh, oh, can we also talk about the scene that is never commented on where Ray... Oh, no, this this happens after... Um, when Chris reconnects with Ray, and mm-hmm. we'll get to that uh, shortly. <laughs> yeah, that's happening soon. Oh no, I think I jumped the gun with the tape because uh, this is the night where it's like the next night. Everyone's getting ready for the formal dance. Uh, Chris has gotten the invite from Cynthia. Um, <laughs> a bunch of kids ask Chris, uh, "Where's JC at?" And then they walk away before he can give an answer. And I was like, <laughs> "That was a that's a weird way to do that." But sure, all right. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, this is when, um, the, uh, Bradster, uh, uh, something runs across his foot. He looks down, sees a dog coming. He's like, Hey, friendly dog, can you help me? And it's one of those dogs that when they get mad, it barks and shoots worms at you. 
um, <laughs> yep. and, sh- and shoots a worm right into Brad's mouth, which obviously these are like filmed in reverse. You know, they like pull it out with a piece of string and do the film in reverse. <clears throat> but it just looks for all the world. He's got a dog turd in his mouth for like three frames. And it's just <laughs> very, it's a very funny picture. <laughs> um, yeah. So Chris is getting ready for the formal. Um, he's got a tux on and this is when he gets, yep. Uh, a really, yeah, a really chumpy looking tux. Um, uh, and this is when he gets the, 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 the message from JC that says, Hey, this is, you know, how they incubate, they go in your brains. They're susceptible to heat. Um, he says he loves Chris and wishes him luck with Cynthia. Um, and then, Chris goes to, uh, I think the next shot is immediately Chris finding Cameron, right? Uh, finding Ray. Yes. And he's just like, yes, a, a mess. And he's just like, hey, look at all this, you know, uh, we, you know, we need help. We need to kill these things, blah, blah, blah. Ray was like, <laughs> uh, he had his door Gonna taped oven up. oven himself. Yeah, which which is really subtly shown because we think like yep. when it showed his door taped up, I thought he was paranoid because of the slugs. But then it pans to the other side of the room as he's getting ready and the oven's just open and hissing. And I was like, oh, and shit. He, and, and, and then he turns it off while he mm-hmm. when he leaves. <laughs> yeah. Because you know you don't want the house to blow up or something, you know. I I mean Which, his, I mean his arc was over, so it's time to go out. Yeah, time to go. Yeah, um, but they go to the they go to the police requisition uh, armory, uh, and threaten mm-hmm. just the nicest guy there uh, with a shotgun through the bars for a police issue flamethrower. Which I don't know how bad it is in California. Um, they're not carrying flamethrowers here in Vermont yet, um, but, but the fact that not only does this dude have it, but knows all of its little idiosyncrasies because it's been used so much. Oh yeah, you gotta let the pilot go for this amount of time before you can use it. Blah blah blah. Like yeah, and how and often this are cops using flamethrowers? <laughs> not very out here, fortunately. <laughs> Um, but this is a famed character actor, uh, Dick Miller from Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. <laughs> There's all sorts of treats in this movie. It's really that's, good. That's, that's, that's why the sequence between him and Ray is like seven minutes long. Because mm-hmm. they're like, well, we paid for Dick Miller. So we're going to yeah. get some Dick Miller in this film. They really dragged it out. <laughs> which is great. Um, uh, they get the flamethrower. They are all set for that. Um, they arrive at the sorority house uh, just as Cynthia is trying to break up with Brad, who is possessed. Uh, like, he shows up at the house, and they're just like, oh, great joke, or whatever. Um, because he, like, is obviously undead, and they think he's just playing a prank. Which, what the fuck? <laughs> who is this yes. guy that you're so used to him being like this? Um and, uh, uh, and, uh, and 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 incoming is the now undead Chad bus, which we failed to mention. Oh, which, yeah! Uh, flipped and killed all of the uh, fraternity members. Yeah, on it in front of the dog, clearly possessed with the brain-eating leeches. Yeah, 
um, yeah, they were all on their way to the sororities to pick up their dates to go to this formal. Um, they were like partying up on the bus, and yeah, a huge bus accident. And then all these zombies pull themselves out of the bus. One's missing a leg and is just dragging himself, and there's this huge line of blood right behind it. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's it's great. It's really really good. Um, and uh, Cynthia's trying to break up with an undead Brad, which she's not looking at, which is like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he just becomes like a dispenser for leeches. They just start flying out of his mouth like like one of those lawn sprinklers. He, he's he's he, a lawn sprinkler, peg dispenser, uh, uh, flailing, uh, wavy army uh, arm yeah. two man. Only the, <laughs> the leeches are flying out of the arms. That's what Brad mm-hmm. is at this moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, who who kills him? It's uh, It's Chris who kills him, right? Oh, that's right. Doesn't he yes. say it's Miller time when he shoots him? Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> because, because the frat house, the, the where all the pledges have to get like their their you know pledge instructions looks like um like it would like they filmed on the set of chairs, and all mm-hmm. I remember from that scene was a giant neon sign that said Miller Light on it. There were Miller Lights in every scene that there was drinking. There was Miller Lights I, uh, when they were getting ready for the formal on all of their mirrors. Yep. All the guys had a bottle of Miller Light. Uh, Miller Light yep. is my beer of choice, so I saw it right away. And I was just like, damn, there's a lot of Miller Light in this film. And so when he says it's Miller time, I was like, oh, this is paid for. This is bought and paid for, man. <laughs> no one's that big of a fan that they would say it on their own. But it was really good. And then now we enter the part of the film where no one acts correctly. Um, of course. <laughs> there is a, a literal it's, corpse. It's the, it's the zombie yeah. portion of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a corpse with its like head blown off on the front steps of this place <laughs> of a very like huge character, like a, a big character on this scene, like like the Bradster. Yeah. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows who he is. Uh, his like shot up corpse is on the front steps of the sorority, and everyone walks around it like it's a garbage bag they don't want to take to the can. Like <laughs> like like no one gives a shit about it anymore. And I'm just like, all right, you know. I guess only in death do we find out how people really feel about us. <laughs> um, so um, there is a lot of running around here. Uh, Cynthia immediately, like Chris doesn't get a chance to use a flamethrower. Cynthia just has it on in one of the scenes. Yes. And they're doing this one-two punch where Chris is shooting off heads <laughs> and Cynthia is flamethrowing. Which I was like, why are you waiting? Just set these guys on fire. I don't know why it has to be one than the other. No, they only need to kill the leeches. It, it, it right. was actually kind of brilliant. Which is yeah. like, oh man, Chris is getting the crits with the headshots. And then she's <laughs> saving saving fuel on only burning the leeches. That's it's fair, It's Resident yeah. Evil Zero before <laughs> Resident Evil Zero. Yeah, there aren't a lot of boxes with yellow tape, so they don't know how much more uh, flamethrower fuel they're going to get. Um, so uh, they get caught in a like uh, 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 utility shed at one point, um, and they both have like you know arms bust through on either side, and they have to free themselves. And uh, a lawnmower comes into play, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> while while all this is happening, uh, Ray is inside. Uh, with just a revolver, um, taking out 
these guys uh, three at once, uh, which is one of my favorite scenes in this in this movie because he just starts screaming. The camera starts spinning around him, and he's just like, "It's it, yeah, it, it's the 1980s Matrix," and he's uh-huh. just headshotting these things as the entire room is spinning, and he's screaming his lungs out. It's oh, it's so good. I I loved it. <laughs> Um. Uh, we find out. Uh, is it Cynthia who's just like, "Oh my God, the basement." Um, yeah, because they she they see the the slugs slithering like into what is it like heating ducts in that lead into the basement, right? Or like right. down the basement steps. I can't remember specifically, yeah. but yeah. And then C- Cynthia was like, "Oh, that plot point we established earlier. It's in the basement," and. Uh-huh. Uh, there are a brunch, <laughs> bunch of brains in our sorority house basement, yeah. Zach Baggins. I yeah. think this is haunted. But also, luckily, uh, there is a Ray Cameron down there with a can of gasoline. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, and the duct tape over his mouth. Yeah, duct tape over his mouth. I love that touch. Um, <laughs> and apparently, in sorority basements, the things they store down there are old books and papers and oily rags because they are mm-hmm. everywhere. <laughs> And I was like, what are these and, girls? And also a big pile of brains in the corner. Yeah, a huge pile of brains. <laughs> Man, sororities are wild. <laughs> these are the things I missed that out feels, by not going to college. <laughs> that feels like a joke from Psychonauts. Just the big pile of brains in the corner yeah, of the sorority it does. house. <laughs> but um, the flamethrower is not working because they turned the pilot off because they're dumb. And um, uh, Cameron starts counting down, and he's like, get the hell out of here. So Chris and Cynthia run out, um, trying to keep their count synced up to, I guess, know when to be clear. Um, They are still too close to this house, um, because Cameron... Well, the house doesn't explode. I know. He opens the main gas line. The street would Uh explode if that caught on fire. Hey, hey, this is an actual UCLA sorority building. We can only put the flame, the flame things up and and implied that exploded and then see, show the audience things on fire that we can easily yeah. repaint. <laughs> but at the end of this, like there's an entire miniature cemetery and a macroture yes. alien spaceship. Yeah, I'm like, why couldn't we get a miniature like sorority house that just goes up? Because I would have loved that. Um, but yeah, uh, house blows up. Uh, our two leads kiss. Uh, everyone's yes. clapping. Everything's fine. Um, and then bum bum bum. We got raised a- charred corpse. Yeah, raised charred corpse, just trudging through the streets. Um, also, still smoking a cigarette, which is a that's fantastic that's touch. Oh yeah, and when Ray dies, Chris steals his uh steals his thunder and he says thrill me at the end yep. of the countdown before the house goes up. So uh there you go. Uh <laughs> passing the torch there. <laughs> yep. Yep. So Ray's charred corpse is charging through the street, uh falls over, all the slugs come out, uh into the I think it's like Crest Ridge Cemetery or something. It has a really yes. And then yep. we pan out to a huge miniature of a cemetery, which is actually it's so there's good. a matte painting and a miniature. Yep. It's yep. it's gorgeous. It's great. Um and then the low heavy hum 
and a spotlight <laughs> of a massive spaceship overhead uh, searching uh, for these slugs. And then credits! <laughs> like, uh, nobody knows that the aliens were ever a part of this. Uh, yeah. It's like, if this movie came out today, it'd be like, how dare they sequel bait this this thing? But I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, this is like a 1986 sequel bait to a pretty fun movie that I'd like to see. What what would happen if the uh, alien slugs that can control the dead got into a cemetery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I was waiting for that. I was like, that was going to rule. <laughs> Apparently, the there were two endings for this film. Um, yes. Yeah, for the theatrical release. Uh, there was a version where the dog who caused the bus accident uh, walks up to Cynthia at the end uh, and infects Cynthia. And that would have been the end yeah, of the film. Boo. Yeah, boo. Yeah, bad, bad ending. The, the, like, the entire world is fucked because these things made their way into a cemetery ending is way better. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so, yeah. And that was Night of the Creeps. Uh Man, what I, yeah, uh, recommend. I'm, I'm like you already know how I feel about this movie. Yeah, I love I this know. movie <laughs> so mm-hmm. goddamn much. It's like surprisingly smart for when it was made. It knows exactly what yeah. it is, and not in like the cloying, annoying way that films can be self-aware. It's smartly self-aware. In that, once again, there's a there's a, a a set amount of time in this film where this film is four different films and they're all shot in their specific styles, very competently, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and edited together very well. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, what else can you say about it? Uh, this guy, uh, Fred Decker, like, knew. He he's a fan. Right, like he is a fan yes. of all these directors: Romero, Carpenter, Ramey, Landis, Cronenberg, uh, Wes Craven. Like you can tell that he's watched all of this stuff. He wanted to amalgamate it all into like one huge, like cliche B movie, but actually, like, got the budget to do something pretty decent with it. Um, but also kept it light and silly, and like, you know, whenever you find yourself going like, "Hey, I don't think that's how that kind of works," it's like it's a movie, man. Just like, have please have fun yeah. with it. And if you go into it thinking that, uh, you know, bravo, you did it. You're going to have a good time. I guess I'm looking here. Yeah. There is an unofficial sequel called Zombie Town. Um, mm-hmm. uh, alternatively titled Night of the Creeps 2 Zombie Town. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Or uh, maybe, I you know, I not. sometimes you just got to let sleeping dogs lie. Because um, it is not even a link on Wikipedia that I can click. So that's not <laughs> Ah, it's not a good yeah. sign. Um, but... uh, and and let let's just do a quick uh, Fred Decker filmography um, before sure. we wrap up. Uh, Night of the Creeps, followed by Monster Squad, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a classic. Um, followed by um, RoboCop Three. So we're not going to talk okay. about that. Uh, I have um, a very soft spot for RoboCop Three. I had that on VHS. <laughs> I watched it a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm just a through and through RoboCop fan. I've watched all of them way too many times, but okay. I'm excited. All right. I, so yeah. it, it, at least you know he directed RoboCop 3 at this point then. <laughs> and then at 2018, yeah. Wrote The Predator. The Predator. Wow. After not doing anything since RoboCop 3. So that was the Shane wow. Black one, right? That was like the incredibly silly one with like Keegan Michael Key. Am I not wrong? Uh, yeah, Keegan Michael yes. Key, Thomas Jane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually liked that movie a lot, and everyone hated it um, because <laughs> yes. I, it was a B movie. It was very mm-hmm. silly. There was like a robot mech predator suit at the end. Like it was so dumb. But I remember I saw that in theaters. I remember really enjoying it for what it was. Uh, but yeah, that got panned too, which is kind of sad. Uh, so at least from your standpoint, uh, 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 a smash hit with every single film that he's ten out of ten, <laughs> man. Yeah, either yeah, <laughs> either written or directed. So <laughs> I'm glad crazy. that I could find. I glad I could finally slot this one into. Hey, I like this director. I think he's an auteur. Mm-hmm. Part of your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew I was such a fanboy. Although I'm seeing that he is uncredited on working on Titan AE here. <laughs> yeah. That one so great. But, you know, the can't all be zingers, right? He's uncredited, so you, uh, you know, plausible deniability. <laughs> right, exactly. I can argue on the Reddit all night about it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Leonard, uh, for bringing this to my attention, for bringing this into my life. Uh, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> That's what I do. I, I, yeah. I dredge up. I dredge up uh, weird nightmares from my childhood that I'm like, oh man, this is why I'm the way I am right now. Thanks, life. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and then I inflict it on other people and hope that they like it too. <laughs> Listen, uh, 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 a, a burden shared is a burden lessened, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh man. A, a burden purged. <laughs> is, the, is, is the path to enlightenment is what I say. Thank you very much. Take this away from me. And then this this mortal coil will not hold me any longer. It's, it sounds a lot like you got leeches in your brain and you, you need to uh, share them. Uh, exactly. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I think that'll do this it. Is the, uh, where, yep. Is this the part where we wrap up? <laughs> This is the part where we do admin. Uh, All right. Okay. So, uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, the internet right now is a is a new and terrifying place. Um, I am no longer on Twitter, but I am on Blue Sky at theuglymachine.bsky.social. Um, I know it's invite only right now, so it's going to be hard to find me for a bit uh, until I launch a website. But I make uh, arms and armor out of recycled materials. And so if you want to see some of that, check me out there. How about you, Leonard? Yes, you can still find me on Twitter, though I almost uh, 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 interact with it. uh, Not at all. Um, (laughs) So at uh, Dr. Faust is Dead, you can find my uh, video game video essay work on YouTube by also searching Dr. Faust is Dead. 
You can find our Wayward co-hosts, uh, Dave and Cameron, at uh, Sentianot underscore plus for Dave, and at Night Twitten with two T's for Cameron. And you can find the podcast at Mon... Oh, this is the part that I... Mon underscore D monster. Yeah. There you go. You did it. You did did it, Matt. That's the reason... reason. Monster, right? (laughs) Yes. Hey. (laughs) Um, Hey, guess what? We don't know what we're doing next week, uh, but we sure hope that you enjoyed this episode uh, and will join us again. Uh, so for uh, Dave, Cameron, myself, and Matt, I'm going to say goodbye, folks. It's Miller time. Monster Dear Monster is brought to you by Fireheart Media. If you enjoyed the show, please share this and all of our episodes with friends. And remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Word of mouth is the only way we grow. If you like, you can also kick us a few bucks to help us keep the lights on at ko-fi.com slash fireheartmedia. Check out our other show, Jalachan's Place, at www.jalachan.place.